kill you. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Auntie Nanny. It's Monday night, and it's a little after 6 o'clock, and the gang is all here. Uh, with me tonight is the bubbly and vivacious Miss Jeannie Kay. Hi, Jan. Hi. And the best producer money can't buy, which is good, because I still don't pay him. Barry, how are you today, Barry? I'm good. Okay. Um, so last week... And this week, oddly enough, have been pretty busy for news. Um, I came home today to read a bunch of emails that were hacked from CIA Director John Brennan and linked online. That was interesting. Um, also, this week, if you're a fan of The Intercept, or even if you're not, I recommend you go to The Intercept and you start reading the drone papers. That is really eye-opening stuff. Um in fact, I started reading them, and, and I was on uh, Skype, and I'm like, do you see, and I'm showing Barry a, a picture, I'm like, do you see who I see in the selection committee? And he's like, yeah, and I'm like, that makes no sense to me, because you wouldn't expect the Secretary of the Treasury to have anything to do with the drone selection process, and yet, um, there, there he is up there with Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, which I think is just kind of some fucked up bullshit but uh anyway yeah the drone papers came out the intercept released that this week it's a really good read if you want to know how selection systems works and how um drones actually work which is it's it's a very interesting read i didn't decide to do any of that tonight because there was enough regular regular plain old news that pissed me off I thought we could go with and at uh, Miss Jeannie's request I'm going to start off with the EPA this evening just cause cause, cause we love them so much now not at the end of the show um, now and then to calm down Jim that's why okay well this is this is part 6 of a 6 part series okay the other 5 parts are pretty interesting and I've, I've read most of them except for the EPA causing there's another one about a bunch of disasters the EPA has caused. And uh, I know last week Barry and I agreed they should be defunded or something. Um, and there, there is a reason for that. So anyway, um, this one is called Inside the EPA, Military Weapons, Designer Desks, and Nukes. 
A congressional committee will investigate reports that the Environmental Protection Agency wasted billions of dollars, including an effort to create its own militia with a prosecution arm to mirror the FBI's. Representative Lamar Smith, Republican of Texas, told Watchdog.org that a House committee will dig into the allegations that the EPA bought designer furniture and sporting goods equipment and handed out hefty employee bonuses and grants to foreign countries, including China, because they're such good stewards of the environment. The charges are outlined in a recent report by OpenTheBooks.org, a nonprofit dedicated to transparency and oversight of government spending. The group analyzed agency spending beginning in the year 2000. I'm assuming they mean the fiscal year 2000. Despite budget sequestration, which mandated cutbacks and no raises, the EPA has thrived with its $8.13 billion budget, up $500 million from 2009. In fact, every president has increased the budget since Ronald Reagan in 1981. How can the EPA justify spending taxpayer dollars on questionable items like luxury furnishings and sports equipment, asked Smith. The agency also appears to have funneled millions of dollars into organizations outside of the U.S. The EPA needs to remember that they are accountable to the American taxpayer and should justify every dollar they spend. Smith, who heads the House Committee on Science, Space, and Technology, reviewed a copy of Open the Books report provided by Watchdog and said the committee intends to investigate possible misuse of public funds. The EPA is already on Smith's bad side for withholding requested documents pertaining to the Animus River spill in Colorado as the committee prepared for a September 9th hearing. During the hearing, an EPA official told the committee that the Gold King mine was walled off as the result of a cave-in. In fact, the EPA created the barricade, which allowed the water to collect behind it, bursting when a hole was drilled, mine owner Todd Hennis told Watchdog. Lawmakers in that hearing and another committee from the Senate blasted the EPA for its heavy-handed military-style treatment of citizens and companies who inadvertently create spills by running them out of business and forcing them to go bankrupt. Representative Louise Gothmert, Republican of Texas, said the EPA should be contacting the FBI for heavy-duty law enforcement action if any is needed. Uh, regardless, some 200 EPA special agents have the latest state-of-the-art policing gear, such as guns and ammunitions up to 300 millimeters, camouflage and other deceptive equipment, night vision, unmanned aircraft, radar, body armor, surveillance equipment, mobile GPS monitors, and they train and investigate frequently alongside joint projects with Homeland Security, the report said. So why the cost- do they need to be armed? Oh, oh, no. It gets better. Oh, I know. The cost, nearly $5 million. This doesn't include the $45.6 million per year spent on agent salaries. More than 1,000 attorneys back them up, costing $1.3 billion since fiscal year 2007. The EPA does not need this kind of military unless they think someone is working, working on an oil barrel. It's going to turn around and shoot them, said Gomert. Chairman of the House Natural Resources Committee on Oversight and Investigations. It's been one of the most egregious developments in the federal government that they feel like they need military-style squads. Gomer said EPA SWAT teams have descended on hapless citizens accused of having a guitar made of wood from an endangered tree and another who owned a foreign orchid that didn't go through customs. Sounds like a good use of money. Spending also included the startling categories of... Military chemical agents, $1,753. Chemical weapons and equipment, $331,380. Fusing and firing devices, nuclear ordnance, $21,900. 
and nuclear bombs, $9,297. Open the Books has tried unsuccessfully to get the agency to explain the purchases, said the nonprofit CEO, Adam Ejanderwicks. <clears throat> he says it's possible that the categories involve cleanups of old nuclear sites, but there is no way to tell. We wanted clarity as to why those category headings, headings existed in their checkbook, Adratowski said. There might be a good reason, but we want to know why it is. Why haven't they responded? The fact that they indicated we have to wait another two months is very questionable behavior. The EPA told Watchdog that many purchases were mischaracterized or blown out of proportion in the report. This report cherry-picks and falsely represents the work of two administrations whose job it is to ensure people are informed about the critical work of the EPA, said EPA spokeswoman Melissa Harrison. The nuclear bomb and chemical weapons were inaccurately reported to the federal procurement data system, she said, adding that the expenditures were really hazmat equipment and electrical wiring. Many of the items predate the agency's 2012 implementation of management controls and oversight, Harrison added. Military equipment costs are actually $6.4 million, not the $5 million quoted in the report, according to Harrison. For those of you who can't afford spy, pricey spa memberships, consider a career with the EPA. The agency has you covered with nearly $4 million in recreational equipment. And then there's this. $50 million in EPA grants to 61 international entities included $1.299 million to China. $505 million to the North American Development Bank, which guarantees loans to companies 186 miles south of the border. $143.4 million in bonuses since 2007 to approximately 65% of employees, including nine that were more than $60,000 and 38 between $30,000 and $50,000. $48.4 million since 2005 on Herman Miller Designer Furniture, nearly $5 million on Knoll Furniture, a designer displayed at the Museum of Modern Art in New York. A total of $92.4 million in furniture since year 2005, approximately $6,000 per employee. $813 for a special pencil drawer. $31,330 worth of musical instruments. Gobert said, budget talks will be coming up soon and the EPA should be targeted as it is rife with waste. Given that the EPA is a favorite of Obama's, Republicans could have an uphill battle. Last year, Congress attempted unsuccessfully to use Homeland Security appropriations for leverage to get the president to cut back funding for legal immigrants. This year, lawmakers would be better served to target the EPA, he said. Not only do we want to cut waste, we want to cut out a very dictatorial agency, he said. We can force them to come in and improve the value of every asset of the EPA. Okay, Jeannie, get let's, it out. Let, let, let's go back to the wonderful lady commenting on behalf of the eight on behalf of the EPA. Um, bitch, please. <laughs> I I am just... And if they're working in tandem with the FBI, who, who, by the way, was never intended to be armed in the first fucking place, then they mm-hmm. really don't need their own SWAT team. Now, do they? They don't. I'm, I'm more disturbed by the fact that they have nuclear weapons listed. Yeah, look- that, that's a yeah, good one. I don't, I think, well, that yeah, was a mistake. I really it's electrical that that wiring. Was a, a, a bookkeeping fuck up. I mean, it's probably shit that they have bought to under the pretense of being able to defuse bombs. Um, not that the EPA should be trying to defuse bombs. They can't <laughs> even build a fucking dike. 
Uh, <laughs> and, and here's the thing. It, okay, so I did more reading and, and stuff on that spill. Right. The Animus, the, the Animus River spill that they yeah. fucking caused. Yeah. That, yeah. that they caused. Now, had they allowed that stuff to leach into the ground at the rate it had been leaching for a hundred fucking years? The aquifer would have filtered it. The aquifer would have filtered it. But because they needed to protect everything and damn this shit up and <laughs> dump a hundred fucking years worth of it at once, look at what it's caused. And, and everybody's going, oh, well, it's it's not as bad as it looks. It's not as bad as it looks. So these are the people, seriously, that we want to talk about having shit to defuse bombs? Really? Really? Uh, well, also, also, they should have to go, they should, they should send them to Home Depot for furniture. <laughs> I think they should the, have to people, go to Ikea you know. and buy their fucking furniture and put it together. No, <laughs> like that would be funny. the rest of us poor people. It's still cheaper than getting designer furniture. Oh, and uh, did you notice all the news reports this week? Because, uh, yeah, the EPA, they, they <laughs> okayed fracking over your way. And do you notice the increase in earthquakes across America? Of course. But Kansas went from one earthquake per year to 42 a week after fracking started. Well, but here's the thing. Okay. And it's not that I'm in support of fracking, okay? But what most people unfamiliar with the gas and oil industry don't know is fracking has been being done since the 40s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. There were ways we used to do it that didn't cause this shit. Yeah, the chemicals they use now are the main issue. Uh, well, and like, see, in, in Pennsylvania, we're not talking about chemicals, we're talking about saltwater brine. Yeah. Um, so, it's, it's not that I am in support of fracking, but what a lot of people know about fracking now is the common bullshit that the mass media likes to pump out and as we go over every week on this show not me lately sorry guys i've been awol um but we know that the media spins things well it's highly politicalized politicized to get the outcome that they want from yeah. the listener exactly and you know i mean and it's kind of like you know these electric cars are oh everybody needs to go electric it's so green well any vapor on the planet that's ever looked into uh, the makeup of our batteries and how these batteries are created and recycled knows for a fact that an electric car is definitely not green energy. No. Well, I mean, no, it's not. It's definitely not renewable. If you know anything about how batteries are made, holy crap. Um, you know it's not renewable. But it's, most it's energy sources are process. not renewable. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah batteries is a very very dis environmentally destructive yeah. process that what Almost, they should be doing yeah. is um you know unearthing the the patent for the carburetor that um ran on water that well no that got 72 miles a gallon in the 70s um that was buried uh, that's that's really what they should be doing um because to 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 make people think, and the EPA is hand-in-hand hand creating this lie that these electric cars are green is a crack of shit. Um, it's, it's a lie. They are as destructive as fossil fuels. Well, um, they're more actually that. destructive um, than fossil the, fuels in the long run. And it's not what they pump out. It's what they're made of. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, the process of, of mining the materials alone um, is has horrific consequences to the environment. But, you know, hey, you don't see that part. All you know is you're not pumping out exhaust fumes. So it's got to be better, right? No, it doesn't have to be better. Um, well, but, you know, well, luckily, that's not the media convinces people of. Luckily, it's not as destructive as it could be because a lot of the materials used to make the batteries come from Australia and Canada who have very strict yeah, mining ask regulations. Canada how, how wonderful this stuff is. Yeah. But, yeah, what I mean is, yeah, if it wasn't Canada and Australia that had all these rare minerals, uh, it'd be some shit-ass place in the third world where well, they had no we control. Have, we have rare minerals here. We just shut down all of the facilities for dealing with them. We ship those jobs to China, and you see how nice things are in China now. And Mexico and things like that, you know? I mean, you look at all the furniture companies that have shut down production facilities here or only kept a skeleton operation here and they now have all of their wood and everything finished in Mexico. You know why? Because their EPA doesn't give a shit about varnish. Well, uh, our our EPA clearly seems to be really concerned about poking holes in mines and opening opening Superfund cleanup sites. Oh, places oh. that really wants to know how to do things, Jan. You know what they should do? They should fire every one of the motherfuckers currently employed there and hire a bunch of Eskimos out of Alaska. And, and I'm serious about that because if you want people that actually care about the land and the sustenance from that land, go to Alaska. Look at how the, the natives in Alaska treat the land and what they allow and what they don't allow no and while i agree with you i also i've also read the constitution and not that and here's where i say the thing that pisses people off um the more i read the constitution the more i realize that it's unfit for purpose in today's world and the reason i say this and the reason i'm going to piss people off um is because it doesn't keep up with the times. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, it was written for the day and time that it existed. The problem it was. That with making it an applicable document now is, again, everybody has their own agenda. And well, they translate it, that to suit their agenda. Well, always, always. When it, when it comes to politics or anything, everybody's got an agenda. Even me, even you, everybody here has their own agenda. Um, that's not really the problem. That was supposedly created to keep the power of the federal government in check. Well, it obviously was unable to do that. It was created supposedly to stop an oligarchy from happening and what is happening we have someone ruling by fiat now legislative fiat with their phone and their pen completely bypassing congress now that congress is doing a good fucking job by any means congress abdicated all of their lawmaking abilities to these third parties like the epa um and the fda if you look at what congress releases as a new law 99 percent of the documents it's releasing says, yes, this is our new law, and we would like to congratulate the EPA, the FDA, for making this rule for us. That's what they say. So why do we have Congress? They're a figurehead. 
we have a leader who acts like a king. And that was also supposed to be curtailed by it. And that's not happening. Um, what you have is the slow sucking of your civil liberties. And that's happening across all agencies and all branches of government. And it's very hard to stop that. Um, and I don't think the Constitution is fit for that purpose. So where this gets really interesting is um, everyone here, I think, knows who Thomas Jefferson is. Yes, uh, Thomas Jefferson had an opinion that a Constitution should never last more than 30 years. Otherwise, the rules placed on the government and placed on the people by constitutional fiat would be a sort of tyranny because there would be a tyranny of the older people upon the younger people who still had to move up and grow into this world. So I think that's very interesting that we have a document that's so very old and we have a society that's so very new and yet they're not... This document is not evolving because we don't know how to make it evolve. What we do know how to do is to send each other videos of really cute little cats. <laughs> and that seems to be how we deal with our problems. I was going to say, as far as, as far as laws go, yeah, you're doing a bang-up job over your way of making ours look modern and well thought out. Because <laughs> ours has evolved. Well, but very over well. your way, you have people going, no, the Constitution oh, can't change, must stay the way it is. Well, like, uh, you know, I, I understand that there are certain things. And what kills me is people getting, and I'm going to say it, people getting all up in arms about the Second Amendment. And yet, don't you realize when you get pulled over by a cop and they can paw through your phone, those are your digital papers and effects. There's mm -hmm. a Fourth Amendment guarantee against that happening to you. These are your digital papers. The Constitution does not reflect that. Oh, that's we have the one. a problem. It does not reflect way, how we accurately live today. Go ahead. That is the one that makes me laugh, is you have all these, mainly Republicans, screaming about how you can't change things in the Constitution, blah, 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 blah. And yet they often refer to amendment. <laughs> to amendment for. It's like... Well, if you're not allowed to change and modify it, where did these amendments come from? <laughs> they came down when Moses came down from from the mountain after he talked to the burning bush. That's where all the amendments came from. I'm sorry. I shouldn't make jokes. I know it pisses people off, and I'm sorry. Um, but I, I think we have a problem, uh, and I, I think we need to address it. And I don't think any of us right here are qualified to do it. But uh, I think they're... Alas, they've got it in such a state that there's probably very few in the U.S. qualified to change anything. Because you've got judges who refuse to deal with anything modern. Uh, well, well, we've discussed that before. Their love of phones that. and the like. <laughs> and they're the ones who should be good at updating the laws. But, yeah, you can't trust them. Well, I mean, if... Has anybody... I'm going to ask the chat a question like they're going to answer me. Has anybody seen the movie Citizen Four? Okay. This gigantic show of hands tells me that nobody's seen it. It's quite a good film. Um, uh, Citizen Four is actually about the Snowden revelations. 
but it also there are portions of it that deal with um does anybody know the case jewel versus nsa no one Jewel versus NSA is a family that sued the NSA for stealing um, messages and, and metadata streaming through AT&T Telecom. Um, and the government wanted to know, well, how can you sue them if you can't prove that your stuff was stolen? Well, we've got documents here that show that you took everybody's data from AT&T Therefore, you took our messages and you took our phone calls. You took our metadata. Um, the fun part was watching this case get argued in court. And it was argued in a pretty high court. And and the judges, one of the judges, one of the older judges was foaming at the mouth going, you want to bypass the judicial branch and you say that we don't have a role here. And the man from the NSA, the man in his little cute little nerdy bow tie, their lawyer standing up arguing no 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 just sometimes some information has to be given a pass and they gave that jewel versus nsa case a complete pass they completely passed on ruling on it and this is the problem you've got a judicial branch that is too weak to defend the people it's supposed to defend which is us yeah, We're if supposed it's to have separation modern, of powers and we don't yeah. if it's anything modern the judges basically go nothing to do with us yeah, but we're exempt from that. Yeah, that's the problem. Once you do something, it's much easier to have done it and say, oops, I didn't know it was illegal, and continue doing it, than to try to fight it in court. Although the NSA has endless amounts of money to do that sort of thing. Huh. Wow, went completely off the rails tonight. I'm sorry. Oh, right, oh, yeah. Just, oh, just to get it back on the rails. EPA, yeah, musical instruments. my husband last night about this entire EPA story, I'm going off on all these tangents. And <laughs> he's like, pissed you off a little bit, huh? Well, and it should. Yes, I mean, these people overreach and overreach. How many fucking federal offices need to have their own SWAT team? Seriously. They don't. People. They don't. I'm sorry. Why? Why does the Social Security Administration need a fucking SWAT team? Sorry. I mean, but it was supposed to be, you know, that they were supposed to work hand in hand with local authorities. That was, I think, to me, is the entire point was a check and balance. Because when you've got a government that says, "Okay, we're going to go raid this guy because he's got an orchid," the local sheriff's going, "Really." Exactly. I just knock on the door and ask him for the fucking flower. It was supposed <laughs> to be a check and balance. And they have systematically eliminated all these check and balances. And if people think that that was unintentional, it you're delusional. It's completely intentional. It's completely, all right, it's completely intentional. And I will tell you, I've had conversations with people that are very much smarter than me that are involved in... And are involved in areas of government that I probably shouldn't even be talking about. And when I mention that this is a design flaw, they go, oh, no, 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 that's not a design flaw. It was purposefully made that way to pull people out of the, the circle that makes decisions about them. Because they're too stupid to make decisions about their own lives. These are the people that you elect saying this shit about you. How does that not make you mad? 
How does the idea that your government thinks you're too stupid to make decisions for yourself, how does that not piss you off? Doesn't it make you furious? It makes me angry as hell. I'm an adult. I'm not a child. It makes me buy chickens and rabbits. It, well. it, I, I do have to insert here that gentlemen with small fire and truck full of ammunition, yeah, he can't be trusted to make decisions. Okay, well, you know... There are a lot of people who you can't trust to make decisions. Okay, well, And a lot you know, of them get elected the to Congress. Let's, uh, let's, let's take and remove all the warning labels. Yeah. And let God sort everything out after that. Okay? Yeah, and then we we'll probably have a society full of people who can at least fucking read. Yeah. I, I don't mean to laugh at that, but I, I, I'm kind of laughing at that because I have made that statement several times. Um, you know, we have taken... The entire premise of uh, natural selection and eliminated it. Um, yeah. We have, <laughs> you know, and I don't want people to think I am cold and callous. I am really not a cold and callous and heartless bitch. I'm not. Um, but some of this shit, it's just like you cannot be this fucking dumb. And evidently, we are. I don't think it's we. I don't think it's we that are this dumb. I think there are plenty of people that are this dumb, and I think there are plenty of children that are raised into this society right now. Jeannie, your son was completely fine with the idea of a smart TV. Uh-huh. Well, I was too, until I talked to you. Okay. <laughs> you you do understand why that's a problem. You gave me... I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, no, yeah, I understand it's a problem. I mean, and that is the problem. People have their phones in their hands. This is how the government tracks everything you do. It's the Smurfs. It is the Smurfs. It is the Smurfs. My favorite is Paranoid Smurf because he makes all the other Smurfs go away and you can never tell he's been there. Mm -hmm. And if if you don't get that, you missed the Snowden uh, interview last week, which was really quite good. Um, Yeah, I guess. I need to link for that, Jim. Uh, very. Can you grab it for her? Because you gave it to me. It's uh, very good. Out, um, yeah. And the link should probably go up in the chat. It was it was extremely good. But the problem is, we talked about this in 2014. This is the problem. We've talked about this stuff over and over and over and over again. We've talked about interdiction. We've talked about um, Smurfs, but I think we didn't call it that. We've talked about GCHQ, and we've talked about the NSA, and we talk about it and talk about it and talk about it to death. And yet, no one's getting angry. Well, and see, Jan, here's... I don't get that. And I don't think... I mean, I know you understand it to some extent, but I, I don't think you really understand it. Um, prior to me becoming your friend and listening to your show, I didn't know any of this shit. And I would have honestly thought that you were just insane. See, everybody thinks I'm paranoid and batshit crazy. Can I give you... A- let me give you a video recommendation. Um, you're going to want to go to YouTube and type in something called To Protect and Infect Part 2. Okay? You don't want to see... You might want to see Part 3. You might want to see Part 1. I didn't find either of those very interesting. But To Protect and Infect Part 2 was a talk with photos and explanations of all of the stuff that we know the government is using to surveil the general public, all governments, and they all kind of involve themselves in this together. 
and the ways that they surveil people. And no shit, I know people think I need a tinfoil hat. I don't. No, you don't. But I'll tell you what. These things make the worst nightmares of Philip K. Dick seem like variable dreams. So if I seem upset about this stuff and nobody gets why, should really go look at this talk to protect and infect part two. Sorry. <clears throat> yeah, um, that was Edward Snowden talking about how they tap into your smartphones and how much information they can take from it. And the cute little code names that the GCHQ uses for stuff. Yeah. It's, it's like quite I said, the... GCHQ seem to have a hell of a good sense of humor if, even if they are evil overlords watching everything we do. Well, and see, and here's, and Barry, you being from the UK, um, mm. you know, I don't think that anyone in the UK has any sense, has any expectation of privacy in public. I mean, uh, don't, well, because you see, British people are a bit weird that way. Is under CCTV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They know this. They're aware of this. They know that when you are out in public, everything you're you're doing is most likely being recorded. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. you know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in the United States, people are under the illusion of thinking that, well, I'm in public, this is private. Well, those two words... They mean nothing. The same thing. They, they actually mean the opposite of one another. And the fact that the majority of people in this country still think that what they say in public is private. Yeah. They have no concept of that. So yeah, the, the UK is... Hey, you know, <laughs> if <laughs> I go out in public and I stab somebody with a knife, it's most likely going to be recorded on video. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, we have that too. I, the only place in where I work that I am not surveilled is the restroom. And when I'm eating, I'm being watched. When I'm working, I'm being watched. Um, and that is supposed to change your behavior. Yeah. At some point, people acclimate to the idea of being watched so much that their behavior does not change. It does not modify their behavior. Nope. That's but what the as UK a is society, on. Yeah. Hmm? yeah, the UK, everybody knows they're being surveilled. They don't give a shit anymore and do whatever they like. Right. I mean, and that's, you get the backfire of the intent for that yeah. particular program. Um, what is amazing to me is nobody's seen the, and I'm going to say nobody's seen the documentary. We live in public. Okay. Um, if you want to see something interesting about how many times you get captured on surveillance footage on a daily basis, we live in public is a very interesting, interesting documentary for that. Um, so I, I know I sound crazy. I know I do. I can prove all this stuff. Everything I say to you is fact. Everything I say to you, I can back up. Everything we talk about on this show, we can go back for years and dig through links and complete text news stories. And the reason we keep the complete text news stories on file is because news stories have a way of going away, being modified and changed. So we want the original. Hmm? Except for the shit I say. 
Um, people no. <laughs> no means think that anything that I say is a provable fact because a lot of the times Jan gives me these really disturbing stories and I just start shooting off my mouth about things. And do I vet things as well as Jan? No. But um, most of the knowledge that I have has been gleaned from Jan. And you need to understand she is a research monster. I um, I like to know what I'm talking about is truthful and factual. I don't like sending people off into spasms of hysteria. There is no reason for that. But there is a reason for you to seriously look at this stuff and say, my government felt it was okay to do this to me. Why didn't they feel like it was important enough to ask me about it? Well, because they think you're too stupid to be involved in that process. So, um, if you like your government feeling that way about you, and by all means, we should continue along doing what we've always done. And, and here's a, here's a, just a perspective on this whole, they think we're too stupid to know this stuff. Um, as, as vapors, we know that, um, when the entire dihydrogen monoxide thing shit, <laughs> Uh, and that didn't tell her thank you yeah. for bullshit that was the best thing you've yeah. ever done yeah. um, and so and here's the thing and, it, and it's a whole pen and teller thing but everybody grabbed onto this and they latched onto it and they put it out in the vapor world and we put it out as sort of this joke well it is a joke it is a joke but it's an inside joke it. we intended it to be the joke that it was when pen and teller started it and that dihydrogen monoxide is di two hydrogen. So two hydrogen. Monoxide. Mon meaning one. Oxide. That's oxygen. So you have H two O. We all know that to be fucking water. But what happened, Jan? What did we see? We saw People legislators idiots. we saw legislators who Try think to legislate too, against water. Too <laughs> stupid. To know what is good and bad for us, complaining about the dihydrogen monoxide that was in e-cig vapor, <laughs> which we did. Um, um, but uh, Jeannie, if you like, if you like that sort of thing, look up the show on YouTube, Brass Eye. It's an old UK comedy show that <clears throat> some of the people on it got banned off TV, um, but they used to do hoax campaigns. Uh, <laughs> Cake, it's a made-up drug, being one of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the main presenter got banned off TV for the paedophile special for that show. Um, oh. And uh, the the main writer, uh, Iannucci, went on to do The Thick of It and many other political satires. But that's the thing. These are the people that think that we are too dumb to be involved in governing our own lives. And then yeah. we wonder why we're in the nanny state that we're in. And then we wonder why the EPA needs to have ordinances to dispose of nuclear weapons and have their own SWAT team. Go figure. So that they can go after an orchid that didn't go through customs. Yeah, well, you know. Because um, that guy might have a nuke. <laughs> well, um, I... I'm going to talk about the Doctors Without Borders thing again because it really pisses me off. It really pisses me off. It really pisses me off. Um, 
there are reasons it really pisses me off. Can you play this video, Barry? You'll be the link. Yeah. Um, Hang on here. Um, So this is from NBC News, not the paragon of great news gathering. Here we go. Hopefully. And as the president delivered today's solemn news on troop levels there, we learned potentially shocking new details about the U.S. airstrike on an Afghan hospital there earlier this month, including new information about the crew of the gunship questioning the order that resulted in the deaths of so many civilians. Our Pentagon correspondent Jim Miklaszewski is working that story for us tonight and has fresh details. The evidence was undeniable. The hospital run by Doctors Without Borders in Kunduz was in flames, devastated by a U.S. airstrike, killing at least 24 hospital staff and patients. The airstrike was carried out by an AC-130 gunship. NBC News has learned that cockpit recordings revealed that the crew actually questioned whether the airstrike was legal. And a defense official said today it may in fact amount to a war crime. For three days, the U.S. military failed to acknowledge innocent civilians were killed. An airstrike was then called to eliminate the Taliban threat, and several civilians were accidentally struck. Finally, four full days after the strike, the U.S. commander for Afghanistan, General John Campbell, admitted the worst. A hospital was mistakenly struck. We would never intentionally target a protected medical facility. But a preliminary investigation indicates the U.S. military forces apparently failed to follow strict rules of engagement in identifying the target. Defense officials also acknowledged Doctors Without Borders called the Pentagon in the middle of the airstrike to report the hospital was under attack. But it's not clear that message ever reached the forces in Afghanistan. Military and defense officials are closely examining those cockpit recordings. And according to one official, if the crew knew the target was a hospital filled with civilians and launched the attack anyway, that's a war crime, Lester. Jim Miklaszewski, thank Good evening. Okay. A slow-moving typhoon is... Okay. So, do we understand why this shit is bad? When you have somebody calling the Pentagon going, we're a medical facility and you're killing us and the pentagon goes yeah. yeah okay and hangs up i like the struck by mistake but yes because yeah 45 minutes worth of mistake and air strikes well, no it's just the the yeah a very directed mistake because mm. because the weapon they used doesn't hit the wrong target it's designed yeah. to specifically hit what it's aiming at it's it's a very that's a very terrifying piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. You yeah. really need to look at the wiki link. Oh yeah, because um, yes, it, it, most of the damage done to the hospital was with cannon fire. It wasn't bombs. But they didn't. <laughs> they know shot that. big holes in the building with high explosive shells, basically. But I mean, how did had they didn't know that? Hmm. They could never know that. And I'll tell you what's what's really disturbing is seeing the footage coming out of that hospital now. Yeah. Okay. Um, when we fuck up, since we think we're Team America World Police, when we fuck up, shouldn't we be admitting it? 
we don't. We don't feel any need to at all. Is the EPA directing airstrikes now? God, I hope not. But, uh, you know, that we, we changed. Did you pick up in that story where um, the government officials are already um, gearing up to take action, criminal action against the guys on the plane? Did you did you get that? Because and here's the thing is because a lot of people, Jan, in this country are going to say those they should have known better. They should go to prison forever. Well, I think people I, don't I, understand how the military works. Yeah, I don't think they they understand. Well, they had free will. No, they did not. That's the thing. They did not. These people are trained, have beat into their heads over and over and over and over and over again. Do not question. You just do. You do what you're told. Well, when you sign the papers to join the military, they own you. And you take an oath to follow the orders you are given. They questioned it. They were told you do this. And what is going to happen is when and if it comes out and somebody in the United States has to take the hit for this, it is going to be the guy that is in some barracks right now having nightmares over what he did. It will not be the motherfucker that told him to do it. Huh? And that's it won't be. the sick part. And, and that is the sick part. Okay? I mean, here's the part you don't know about that airstrike. Okay? The U.S. now admits that intelligence had the hospital under surveillance in the previous few days before the strike, believing that a Pakistani agent was supplying the Taliban with information about the movement of U.S. and Afghan troops. The analysts knew it was a medical facility, but no one can tell whether the analysts told the guys flying the plane that it was a medical facility or not. It's a problem. Yeah, I... I think that that'll be in the cockpit recording, because yes, the only reason well, I can think of of the crew questioning the strike order would be, yeah, Medicine Sans Frontier had given the GPS location of their facility to the military, and that would and have been in the computers. Course, that's not what's going to happen, Barry. No. Well, it's not. They're going to whitewash it. They always yeah. whitewash it. They always make themselves look perfect. And like they can do no wrong. Off over this, it will be the guys in the plane that I promise you are already torturing themselves. It possibly could be laid at the door of the the uh, flight director who okayed the strike after the cockpit crew questioned. That might be as high as it goes. So, so some mid-level officer who... Yet again, is just doing orders. what he's been told to do. Unfortunately, that's a problem. Yeah. And it's not like it's the first time. It's just the first time I've talked about it. And it happens more than you think. You want to see an interesting Google search, type <laughs> U.S. civilian air attacks. You'll get well, some really interesting there's reads. The, there's the very notable blasting the, the hell out of um, a photographer in Iraq. Oh, do we have... Oh, it looks like a, like a gun. Party. 
it's, it, does anybody remember the, the first time we heard about drone strikes hitting civilians was the time it blew up that entire wedding party? Yeah. To get one guy's... What they targeted was the SIM card and the cell phone. Yeah. They got they got the they got the SIM card. They also blew up an entire wedding full of people. This kind of thing is a problem. The way we do, then that's why I'm going to say it again. Um, the drone papers that the Intercept released are really eye-opening stuff. You should go read them. Um, do you see where I don't requesting uh, drone registration? Yeah, I did. And in fact, we were just talking about that before, and, and Barry was saying in the UK, to fly a drone, you have to have a pilot's license, which kind of makes a little bit more sense than mandatory registration of your personal drone. Yeah, I mean, the little, the little toy ones that only fly at 20 feet, you don't need a pilot's license for that. But the full-size right. drones... You can fly around with cameras on. Technically, you're supposed to have a pilot's license. Oh, and you can buy one of them very in the United States for three hundred bucks. I yeah. know, I know a lot of people that have them. There's a couple of the VTTV presenters have got drones. Oh God! People in the vape world that have them. Yeah. I don't. I still don't. I, I just don't. I don't get it. Gadget people. Yeah. I understand we're gadget people, but you know. I'd, come I'd on, probably now. have one if I could afford one. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would, I would, uh, I would opt out of computer living if I could. Oh, get this! There's a guy in Edinburgh who runs a wedding photography business, who has a two thousand pound pounds worth of drone. Because well, it was kind of publicised in the newspaper that he lost it for three months. Because <laughs> it flew out of range of the controller, so he didn't know where it was, and it was eventually found. It had landed itself on the roof of a church. I can see the state of Pennsylvania coming out with drone laws faster than most other states. Um, and the reason I say that is because somebody will say this is an unfair advantage over the deer. <laughs> and, and, and you're laughing, Barry. I'm not even kidding you. Okay? Oh, yeah, I just, I... You are not allowed to sit in a blind in the state of Pennsylvania to hunt deer because it's, it gives you an unfair advantage over the deer. Not like the fucking high-powered rifle doesn't, but don't sit in the blind. deer. I personally... Deer are just like rodent with hooves. Yeah, I personally would never sit in a blind to hunt anything in the state of Pennsylvania. And the reason I say that is because we get all kinds of flatlanders. This is what we call the city folk. We get all kinds of flatlanders that come up here to go hunting. And these are the guys that are out at the bar the night before they go hunting. And most of them, if they're not hungover as shit are still half intoxicated. So the last thing I'm going to do is hide behind something in the woods for them to possibly mistake the wind blowing <laughs> as a critter and shoot at it. You are apt to get shot. Um, but, yeah, we have a lot of laws here that, that things that aren't legal for you to hunt with or to use while hunting because it gives you an unfair advantage over the so animal. Oh so, yeah, I was um, I was I, what, I was saying what? just before the show, uh, there's a drone incident in Starling last week. Mm. Yes, it was it was a deadly drone strike. Um, a window got broken and everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, some idiot, amateur photographer, 
was flying his drone round the Wallace Monument, and it crashed and broke a window. Oh, huh. I wonder what that cost him. I don't think the police have actually <laughs> got hold of him yet. Because let's face it, it's 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 in a sort of park area, despite it being on top of a cliff. It's kind of yeah, a park, so the guy could have been anywhere within, you know, a hundred meters. So yeah, by the time the police got there, he could have run off, got in his car, and driven away. So yeah, <laughs> and you're not going to admit to that, are you? Yeah, no, I not really. I just I think it's really silly that. You know, and and I say this, and I mean this, people. I can almost guarantee you that some form of the Game Control Commission is going to make a law about drones faster than a city, because not because it's infringing on people's privacy, but because you know it gives you an un fair advantage over the dumb animals you're hunting with high-powered rifles. Um, and sadly, I'm probably not wrong. Yeah, well, rural America tends to take steps on, on certain things for federal America, I guess you would call it. I, I don't even know. There's such a divide do you know what I mean? Just in the way we deal with legislation, in the way we deal with problems on the local level, in the way that the government deals with problems on the federal level, it uh, it really is almost dizzying. It's hard to keep it straight. What does this mean? It just it's all very confusing, and it seems like it could be simplified. Um, I don't know. But I do think you're right. I do think rural America will do something about it before federal America because I'm sure you've noticed with the FDA and stuff, the wheels of government tend to move big government. Federal government tend to move extremely slowly. Death of a thousand cuts. Um, yeah, although, yeah, don't don't let it get let the gun nuts... Uh, be able to claim they can have some missiles. No. We need to protect our homes from the drones. We need the SAM. Well, you don't even need that. They have some really effective drone ammunition now, and, and that's good enough. Or, yeah, the other scary one, a Boffer's cannon. That's the classic anti-aircraft weapon. Yeah. No, I, Although I some of them already have those. If if shit is bad enough that you think you need anti-aircraft weapons, then, you know, this show probably just needs to go on a permanent vacation. <laughs> <laughs> and the most terrifying part about that is, to me, Jan, is I don't want people out there trying to shoot down drones. Not because I think that the drones are bad, it's but because the people shoot them down are too yeah. stupid to realize that what goes up must come down. Yeah. Well, I mean... Now, you're saying that Vice President Joe Biden's advice to take a shotgun, point it into midair, and let off a warning shot is a bad idea. How can you say that, Jeannie? Biden is obviously a genius. Oh, he knows all about gravity. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. I, I shouldn't. I don't even know why I had to make fun of Biden, You're but only uh, allowed, that was exactly I, his advice. I know, simple rule. You're only allowed to shoot a gun in the air if it's a real gun. Because if you shoot that in the air, 
it might just knock out a satellite rather than coming back down. <laughs> I don't know. I um I think if you're gonna have a firearm, you you definitely should take basic safety classes. Because uh, I think, like you said, the man who drove over the fire with a yeah. truck full of ammunition is probably a good example of what not to do. And that did also happen this week. Mm-hmm. In, I guess, in uh, news from, what would you call it, uh, news from the Darwin Awards? Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that so guy was hard. drunk. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the comments are, yeah beer seems to have been involved yeah yeah i'm pretty sure the conversation went like hold my beer not a good idea you know most places require you to have uh more classroom hours to operate a jet ski than they do a firearm and that's that's you know i don't and here's the thing i don't begrudge anybody owning a firearm because let's be honest why do you own a firearm um some people will say for protection, some people will say for hunting. Those are two obvious yeses. But there's also the third that people refuse to acknowledge, and if they were honest, they would just out and out say it. That is supposed to be your last defense against a tyrannical government where all of the branches are working against you. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. That is supposed to be the last defense that Americans have against this. If people were honest about it, I I think we could have a better discussion about guns, firearms, and weapons. And I see it from both sides, I do. I I understand why the gun control people feel like they do. I just don't... I don't think we're having an honest discussion about it. And we should be. We really should be. We're we're adults, right? Most of us. There's politics involved, so you're never going to have an honest debate about it. I think we have to move beyond politics, though. You have to move beyond the partisanism, partisanism that's out there. This is how they divide us. Yeah. This is how they divide us. They divide us first by race, by religion, by skin color, by the groups of our friends, by our geographical location. <coughs> and if they did not divide us in this way, we would have a lot more honest discussions and things would be a lot different. Okay, it's uh, 7 o'clock, so I guess we should grab Alex. Hopefully that didn't sound like a a barrel full of batshit crazy. Uh, It's Alex (laughs) on the hour, guys. Right, uh, here we go. Good evening, Alex. How you doing? Good evening and welcome to the CASA update for the week of 10-19-2015. Hi Alex, how are you this evening? Good, how are you doing? I'm doing good. So, tell me what interesting things have been going on this week in the wonderful world of vaping. Well, um, actually I guess all of this started last week. Um, I think it was... I can't remember uh, whether or not we covered this last week or not, but uh, we issued a call to action for Chicago. Okay. I'm just going to look it up because I want to get the date right. Okay. Um, Let me put this out. The 13th. So, yeah, it was 
just after our podcast. So I guess we probably talked about this a bit. Um, okay. There's actually a meeting happening, well, happened today okay. um, at one o'clock. It was a regularly scheduled city council meeting um, and the budget was on the agenda for discussion. So uh, I'm sure we'll see some posts hopefully at some point. I know that there were some people that showed up to the meeting on the 14th. Um, right. I think Greg Conley even made it out there. Um, nice. But there's a there's a small band of, of pretty motivated folks in Chicago that made it out. Uh, and this is, we're talking about a, uh, I, I believe I've heard 25 cent per milliliter tax on e-cigarettes in Chicago. Um, so the other thing is Cook County, uh, which I'm working on this evening. Uh, okay. We'll get that out tomorrow. But uh, Cook County, which includes the city of Chicago, uh, is reported to be looking at a 20 cent per milliliter tax on e-liquid. Um, I don't have any meetings that we know that this is going to come up. There's like a little over a half dozen meetings like finance committee meetings between now and the end of the month. Right. So uh, it's possible, it's likely that that this portion of the budget will be discussed at one of those meetings. I just don't have any info on which one. Um, okay. Regardless, you know, I'm going to put up email addresses and everything for people to okay. uh, send a message to county counselors. And of course, what this means is that uh, if you're a resident of Chicago, if both of these budget proposals are passed, um, in addition to paying your city tax on e-liquid, you will also be paying the county tax. So residents of Chicago kind of get hit twice, and that would be an estimated 45 cents per milliliter. Uh, and that's... That's odd. That's um, outrageous. Is yeah, it is. it is. I know it is. <laughs> yeah. So, I didn't really want to say that, but yeah, it is. It's very bad. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, Chicago residents have two opportunities here to take action um, because you also live in the county. And Cook uh, County people, I got to dig up a whole bunch of zip codes to find, you know, to make sure we get everybody in the okay. Chicago is it is it is it appropriate to say Chicago land area is that like just all of everything outside of Chicago until you get to I don't know Ohio or something um, I think please, it might be <laughs> please forgive forgive me for my lack of knowledge about Midwest geography um, but uh, anyway so yeah uh, Chicago and Cook County are, are on the table for taxes um, the other thing that came out uh, either I guess it was late last night or today um, uh, Utah Smoke Free Association formerly Utah Vapors um, put out a call their own action alert call to action type thing um, anybody who's been following legislation this year uh, was it SB 415 um, I really should uh I should have done a little bit of preparing here. Um, HB 415, uh, this bill 
soon these these things are just going to be back to back calls to action yeah we'll be there again soon um i think my record was i think i put up 10 calls to action one day uh while traveling some of them were posted so (laughs) um uh so hb 415 passed the utah state legislature and as part of that the utah department of health uh is required to promulgate a rule um about regulating electronic cigarettes um now under normal circumstances where everyone has a certain amount of common sense uh this should be something simple like child resistant packaging no sales to minors which i think is already a law in utah um you know basic common sense type of stuff instead um the proposed rule goes as far as to require um ingredient listing on the labels um which is you know not ordinarily a horrible thing but it's only the state of utah that's requiring that um and it's not too detailed stuff i mean if you're a manufacturer and you're uh, you yes did i drop out or did we completely lose alex from i gone no we're gone okay yeah i'm I'm still here can you hear me i i can okay are we back yeah okay so where was i manufactured did did you did you how much did you miss where did where did i where i lose you uh they would promulgate (laughs) promulgate was the last thing i heard okay so hb 415 uh basically requires the Department of Health, the Utah Department of Health, to promulgate a rule regulating electronic cigarettes. Um, And uh, this was based on, oh, God, Weber Morgan. Weber Morgan is like a county or some municipality in Utah. Their Department of Health had had put together regulations, um, which was the entire, all of HB 415 was kind of based on these rules. Uh, and they went as far as to regulate nicotine content, which this does as well. I think it is a little bit more strict. Um, so this does things like requires ingredient listing, um, which, like I said, ordinarily not a huge deal, but only Utah is doing it. Um, they also have a warning label requirement, um, which is it's pretty obnoxious warning label. Uh, nicotine is addictive and poisonous. Uh, keep away from children and pets. If you're just going to keep it to keep away from children and nicotine pets. Nicotine is addictive and poisonous. And poisonous. Um, wow. And it's, yeah, you know, it, it's kind of later in the day I, I read something about uh, studies done on Ooh, N- NRTs. This is, is this... I think Jan's internet connection right. is just going all kinds of wonky on her. I know. Do we, Jan, are you still with us? Yeah, it sounds like John's having issues. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, great. Um, so yeah, I'll keep. I'll get through Utah. <laughs> I promise. Um. Anyway, it's, it's suffice to say. Uh, this is this call to action is not just for Utah residents. This is also for um, manufacturers and retailers that do business with people in Utah. 
Um, but for our purposes, we're mainly concerned with the consumer aspect of this. So um, I, I certainly appreciate some of the, the, the bullet points that, that they've put together here. Um, a couple of things to think about uh, in crafting your comment. I guess I should have started all of this by saying the rule is published and there is a comment period, very much like what the FDA does. Uh, and you have until November 16th, until f- at 5 p.m. on November 16th to get your comment in. Uh, and you do this by emailing it to um, Luke Chalmers. And the subject line is comments on proposed rule R384-415. I'm not going to slow down and repeat that. You can go read it on the Utah Smoke Free site. Actually, if you Google Utah Utah Smoke Free, uh, the first page you come to is going to have this action alert. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we're probably likely going to put out some sort of complimentary uh, call to action for this um, and, and try to keep it to Utah consumers. But, um yeah, like I was saying, obviously retailers and manufacturers that are doing business in or with Utah um, have a pretty big financial stake in, in how these rules come out. Um, and there's a lot of, of changes to what your product will look like if these are implemented. And the most egregious thing to me, other than the uh, kind of alarmist uh, warning label, is uh, the nicotine content restriction. Um, you're allowed to go as high as 24 milligrams per milliliter, and there is a maximum uh, nicotine content in a bottle of 240 milligrams. So if you are a high nicotine user like myself, the largest bottle of e-liquid you're going to be able to buy is 10 milliliters, um, which is not the end of the world, but still, you know, that can be added cost. Why wouldn't you charge a little bit more for a 10 milliliter bottle and so on and so forth. And just perpetuating the myth that um, nicotine is this magically dangerous substance that just ruins the lives of all children. Um, that is kind of absurd. <sighs> so that's Utah. Um, and we'll put the link to that call to action in our description. Um I think that's it. I, I've got a couple of other messages, saw a couple of other things on Facebook. Um, the Tobacco 21 effort is marching right along in Massachusetts. Um, uh, Attleboro, Massachusetts, uh, a small little town outside of Providence, Rhode Island, I believe. Um, yeah, I, uh, um, I used to spend summers there, so yes, I know where it is. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, there's a major highway that runs through there. I guess there's some, some stoplights. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, unfortunately, they are uh, within the borders of Massachusetts. So um, uh, I would assume I haven't seen any legislation yet, but I uh, would assume that this would include electronic cigarettes. Um, uh, I guess that can be a local alert that I'll put on the list. <laughs> Um, and the other thing I just, I just got an email about half an hour ago, um, Prince George's County or PG County in Maryland is looking at their own indoor use ban. Um, and this actually, there was a hearing on this on the ninth and I 
don't remember seeing anything about this. So um, it was a committee hearing. It's been passed out of committee. Uh, I believe it has four or five sponsors on the bill. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six sponsors out of, I don't know, 10 county councilors. Uh, so this doesn't look all that good for PG County. Um, but uh, see if we can put something together for that as well. So uh, in Maryland, you know, there was the state, it was, was it HB 46 this year that would have prohibited indoor use um, or one of the three bills. Uh, and that, that died, it didn't go anywhere. Um, and even Baltimore managed to put together a, a halfway decent indoor use ban that um, really sounds like it kind of leaves it more up to the business owners um, as to what they want to prohibit. Maybe I should research that before giving a definitive analysis of that. But uh, I do remember Baltimore did produce a bit of legislation that is a halfway decent example of, you know, not going completely prohibitionist on indoor use. Um, so, um, yeah, but apparently the surrounding counties are the, just a little little bit different. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you remember me sending you a link on Friday night? from ordinance it was called ordinance 85 it was from a place called the city of red wing and it's it's okay (laughs) it's in red wing minnesota and the only reason i'm mentioning this is um number four on their ordinance list um meant it, it changes the definition of smoking to include using a device that um vaporizes lobella Lobella's Indian Tobacco. Okay. Okay. Uh, And the only reason I'm bringing this up is just that I thought it was really interesting because that was something that uh, very old-time vapors talked about when when I first started vaping about six years ago. Um, What if they take nicotine away? What will we use? And people were coming up with different things, and they said, well, what about Lobella? And we a bunch of us did try it, and no one really liked it. So we discarded that and threw it by the wayside. I just think it's funny that something that's so old is being bought up in new ordinances. So I just thought I would mention that just as an aside. Yeah. um, Is it a common... I'm not familiar with Lobelia or Lobella. Um, It's it's not. I mean, it's... I mean, it's... it's, um, it's like a, a tincture. It's it's like a water. It's an aqueous solution, mm-hmm. um, like something you would make out of herbal tea or or something like that. And I guess some people made it with alcohol or whatever. Um, and I, I do know that it was tried, like I said, about six or seven years ago when I first started vaping, and people just like, yeah, no, this is terrible. We can't do anything with it. So I just thought it was unusual that that would show up in an anti-smoking law change. And it was the first time I've ever seen it. So just just an interesting aside. Doesn't really mean anything. It's just I know we talk about um, just different verbiage and wordage in, um, in, in legislation. I just thought that was something interesting to look at and look out for in the future. 
That is interesting. I, I did see in what in the PG counties, um, uh, what was it? I have a, uh, uh, agenda item summary, right. uh, vaporing made it in there. The proposal bill shall simply adds that the smoking or vaporing or electronic cigarettes is an additional unlawful activity. It's a vaporing? A vaporing. <laughs> okay. Vaporers now. So we've learned a new word. It's a new descriptive word. We're vaporing. We've learned that lawmakers have very little shame. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. Yeah. So, so I guess that's it for this week. Uh, yes, for the most part. I'm just I'm searching my brain to make sure I didn't forget anything. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I, that's those are the big ones for me. Chicago, Cook County, Utah, a couple of local alerts that may or may not get actually taken care of. And, um, and new words. Thank you for the new words. <laughs> Yay. Thanks, legislators. Um, uh, the the call to action to support HR twenty fifty eight is still active. Yes, it is. It's at okay. the top of the list. All right. So um, try to get your Congress critter to sign on to be a co sponsor for HR twenty fifty eight. If you haven't already done so, um, please join us at kasad.org. Uh, submit your testimonials at um, the Casa Testimonial Project. You can find links for that at the org page. We are Casa Media on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we are Casa Media on YouTube. And we are the We Are Casa Facebook group, which is the more informal group, as well as the Casa Facebook page for the official Casa. Uh, for the official Gustav page. So um, come on down and join us if you haven't already and help us to help you save vaping. Have a good night. Thank you for everything you do for us, Alex. I'll speak with you later. Cool. Alex? Yeah? Before you go, Mm -hmm. it was was absolutely wonderful to meet you in person. Oh, likewise. (laughs) So jealous. Alex at VaporCon. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. Um, Super, super smart guy, but um, yeah, Alex, thank you for taking time out of your busy weekend to visit with me. Um, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Oh, yeah, that was a pleasure to meet you. It's, it's always a pleasure to meet you guys, and uh, and yeah, I hope we'll see you guys. I, I know I know, we've crossed paths at other events, so I, I'm sure we'll uh, I'm sure we'll meet again. Have a great night. Right. Thank you. Thanks. Are, are, is the, that, are we off? Yeah, the recording's done. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to contaminate it with this stuff. Not that it's contamination, it's um, knowledge by proxy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, who heard about the nurse in the UK who got Ebola, got better, and then got sick again? Okay. Couldn't miss it they, over here. Yeah. Hmm? You couldn't miss it over here. Well, of course you couldn't miss it. It was in the UK. Mm. <laughs> I just happened That's to stumble on it. She was no. Scottish even. Yeah. Yes. 
So I happened to stumble on it here, and I stumbled on it um, after the story came out that uh, Ebola is now considered uh, a uh, sexually transmitted disease, which they didn't think it was before, but that's because it can survive in a victim's semen for up to nine months. So... I'm going to read this one. Ailing nurse in UK may be rare case of relapse. Uh, the World Health Organization, those bastards, says it's possible in rare instances for patients who survive Ebola to develop the lethal disease again when the virus lingering in the body starts to replicate at high levels. That might explain what happened to a Scottish nurse now being treated in London's Royal Free Hospital Pauline Kafferke was admitted Friday for an unusual late complication of Ebola after having recovered from the disease in January, the hospital said. On Wednesday, it said Kafferke was critically ill after her condition deteriorated and that she was now suffering from Ebola, not just a complication. World Health Organization spokeswoman Dr. Margaret Harris said Thursday that the UN agency has heard of several similar cases, although they are not well documented. What we have seen is that in some people, the virus lies dormant at a site and then, for some unknown reason, starts to reproduce again, she said. We think it's a minority of people. Otherwise, we would have seen cases all over the place. Harris said it's unclear whether those people might be infectious to others. British tabloids made much of the fact that Kafferke was photographed standing near the Prime Minister's wife recently after accepting an award in London. To date, Ebola has killed more than 11,000 people in West Africa and left some 17,000 survivors in the region, many of whom have poor access to health care. Harris said a significant number of recovered Ebola patients are still suffering ill effects from the virus. In some areas of Sierra Leone, half the Ebola survivors have serious eye problems that only developed after they were discharged from the clinic, she said. We still have very little information about the impact of Ebola lingering in the body at different sites, she said, noting it was unclear whether the persistent virus might be responsible for survivors' ongoing medical problems or if those can be attributed to acute illnesses that patients recovered from months earlier. Scientists say the Ebola virus can sometimes hide for months in part of the bodies not covered by the immune system, but acknowledged that Kafferke's case was unusual. Pauline seems to be an anomaly, said Dr. Natalie McDermott, a clinical research fellow at Imperial College in London. Everything we know about Ebola suggests that there are long-term effects, but not necessarily any that are life-threatening. McDermott hypothesized that Kafka's relapse might have been triggered by her immune system. If the immune system is distracted by, say, fighting off another infection, it might give the virus a foothold to stop replicating again out of control, McDermott said. It is unusual that it would be able to spiral out of control and produce an acute infection again, but it's not impossible. McDermott said other diseases like herpes can also reoccur when a person's immune system is weakened, and that it was possible that similar cases to Kafka's were going undetected in West Africa. How are they treating her over there, Barry? Not very good, I would imagine. Yeah, no, no, she's she's uh, she's in a hmm, she's in the hospital she was originally treated at. So, she's getting the best of care, although, <laughs> yeah, she's probably not in a good state, let's face it. Yeah. So, I just thought it was interesting. You can get it, get well, and it sits there and you can get it again. So, it's kind of like, I guess, chicken pox in a way. Well, yeah, there's multiple the strains. Thing. This is like, yeah. you know, chicken pox on roids. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. 
It's crazy. This is the first time, I mean, this last case of Ebola was so, um, the one in Sierra Leone, West Africa region was so hot. It should have killed all these people and it didn't because there actually was some Western medical intervention and people were actually able to get hydration um, and, you know, uh, fever care, which doesn't sound like much, but in a place where there is no medical care for this at all, being able to get something like that is is gigantic, and it it probably saved a lot of people's lives. And as a consequence, we really are learning more about the disease, and we're learning that the World Health Organization is just terrible, 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 terrible. Like um, telling anybody over forty that they've most likely got the shingles virus in them, and they're like, "No, I'm not going to catch that." Yeah, you are. <laughs> you have the chicken pox when you were little. Well, yeah. Well, then you've already got it. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 shingles humans are, oh, are God, a collection they hurt. Of... Yes, they do. Paul and I have both had shingles. Humans are a collection of bacteria, diseases. Yeah. People seem to forget that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's actually what makes you you is like 99% bacteria. And, and people don't know that. Yeah, you have organs and you have a brain and you have a body. Most of what makes you up is bacteria. That loads so, of people have. Uh, this is the one that gets people. Yeah, everybody has MRSA. MRSA, of course you yeah, do. In your nose. Well, yeah. That's where it primarily lives. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's when it gets in open wounds that the issues begin. Yeah, yeah well, where we had it, for some reason... Every time we've had a hurricane here, uh, MRSA rates just spiral out of control. So that tells me it's got to have some sort of reservoir in dirt yeah. as well. Well, yeah, people sneeze, cough, and that mm -hmm. spreads it everywhere. Right. And it's really hard to kill. Uh, it oh. survived a very, very long time up our noses. So, yeah. Well, I mean, most... most uh, most viruses are very hard to kill. I mean, they, they exist in this state where they're, like, neither alive nor dead. Yeah. Um, apparently, in this woman, they were just dormant. They didn't yeah. die. They weren't able to kill it. Well, they're still trying to figure out exactly where in our body it was hiding in. They don't well, know I mean, if it was know, in the bloodstream or a particular organ. And, well, of course, they're intrigued the to find out. So, mm -hmm. yeah. so that should be interesting. I mean, what we don't know we could fill a book with. We could speculate all night. We don't really know. Um, just three things. You know somebody who's had Ebola and you're going to have sex with them? Please use a condom. Please, for the love of God. Um, and if you've had Ebola, just take really good care of yourself, I guess. I don't know. What else can you say? Stay well. It's the, was it, 58 people she came into contact with that are being monitored? Th yeah. Those are the people who have to worry. His wife, I'm assuming? <laughs> One would think. They're, they're hoping, you know, are they monitoring the Prime Minister's wife? Because they kind of should be. Well, you know, I, yeah. I, I think, well, everybody's being monitored in the UK. Well, it does say. I think they've, men they've mentioned there's 58 people that are that she's had lots of contact with that yeah. uh, are being kept an eye on. So yeah, well, I, if, I, if I they show up at their doctors, they're going to get 
shunted straight to. <laughs> I have, and you know, it's kind of ironic, but I have a friend of mine in Canada that um, has been on and on about um, people electing not to give their children vaccinations and how they put other children at risk and, and so on. Um, and unfortunately, very, very unfortunately, um, both of her little boys have contracted whooping cough. Yes, not not one of her children, but both of her beautiful little boys have contracted whooping cough. Um, and you know, which, as we know, is preventable with a vaccine. Yeah. Um, but I learned something new in amongst all of this. Um, okay. Besides, besides, I feel horrible for these two beautiful little boys. I have learned that. And I did, was not unaware of the fact that you know that if you have had a tetanus shot in the last 10 years, you've been given the whooping cough vaccine? Mm-hmm. I did yeah, not. Well, they nope told me that when they gave me a tetanus shot. Not, it's that bun- I, not that I mind that it's there, Jan. It's what bundling. I mind, what I mind is that I wasn't informed that it was in there when they gave me the tetanus shot. Yeah. Well, they're not going, they're not going to tell you. You know, they're, they're taking, okay, well, did they tell you? No. No, then that means they must not have to tell you. Or they just assumed you know. Yeah, doctors just like sticking with things. Or they assumed you knew. Yeah. But yeah, bad bad for the... When they could just do it and everything's fine. Bad for the two boys, though. You know, permanent Mm -hmm. lung damage. That's what whooping yeah, cough I mean, gives you. They're, they're yeah. absolutely beautiful little boys, um, and their mother dotes on them, so I'm sure they will be well taken care of. Um, but yeah, so when when you elect to not, and I understand some people's problem with vaccines. Um, I do. I understand that. You have to understand. Bernie got the chickenpox from the chickenpox vaccine. <laughs> and transmitted them to his sister who had already had the chicken pox in right. her life. Um, and she got the chicken pox from him. And it was literally ten times worse than when she actually had the chicken pox. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was a completely different strain. Um, so I do understand people's problem with vaccines. Um I still choose to vaccinate my children because the 1% chance that something could happen from the vaccine is still a whole lot better than uh, the risks and such involved with them actually getting the disease. Um, I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm I'm anti-giving children that don't have a fully formed immune system at six months a giant round of vaccines. Doctors have talked about it and said they know it does no good. They just want to get parents into the habit of getting their children vaccinated. That's kind of bullshit. Hmm. You're wasting money for one thing, and you're doing something that's worthless to a child for another. To get people into the habit of doing something instead of telling, you know, someone honestly that you need to follow, like, this schedule that we've set out for children. And I think a lot of the... the because we've talked about the, the autism problems and we've talked about the whistleblower from the FDA who all of a sudden all his papers are gone. 
who talked about the instance of finding a correlation between vaccinations and autism in black children. Do you remember that? Uh-huh. Okay. I don't have a problem with children being given vaccines. I have a problem with the rigorous schedule that they're they're being given vaccines on the level of. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. I don't. I, I do understand that. Yes. That I don't think is a problem. That I, that that I think is your your big problem with this stuff. That's what's going to cause negative health consequences on a huge level. Not the vaccines themselves, just the way that the medical community chooses to give them to people like candy. There's hmm, not always funny. a need for that. Yeah, I, well, I remember when they used to give polio and sugar cubes. The polio vaccine. You remember yeah, that? Yeah, I had I had a live polio virus vaccine too. Yeah. Which is I'm kind of one of my childhood memories is going to the nurse and being given this wet sugar cube. It's like huh? oh. what's that? Oh it's a vaccine. Alright, okay. Bit <laughs> free sugar cube, so yeah. <laughs> I don't know exactly how old you are, Jan, and I'm not asking, but what I will ask you mm-hmm. is do you have a big round vaccination scope? <laughs> yeah you do okay well then that that gives me a general idea of how old you are and i say that because um my next not my next door neighbor um okay. friend of mine that i grew up with we lived four houses apart growing up and mm-hmm. i am four days older than him okay i do not have the big ground vaccinations go <laughs> he does we had different doctors yeah, I mean, and that's exactly it. At that point when, yeah, when you were either giving individual shots or you were given that great big humongous honking dose of shit that yeah. left with that damn scar, um, yeah. I don't have it, he does. So, and I know how old I am, but I mean, in it's odd that, mm-hmm. you know, you talk to anybody under the age of 40, Mm-hmm. They have no idea what that is. I've got two. Scarf. Well, I'm I'm 43, <laughs> so that will tell you when exactly when I got that shot. And I am 46. I'll be 47 okay. in a couple weeks. So I mean, it just there was that span of time. There was about five years in there. Mm-hmm where some doctors were switching over because they thought it was better, and then some doctors weren't because this is the tried and true. Right. When tried I, and true in the medical field really doesn't mean shit. Yeah, I, I haven't kept up. Do they still do the one where you get the huge scar and the leaking pus all over the place? No. No. They don't do that anymore. No, no that's a shame. not that in the U.S. In my school... Right, I've got the scar on a different place from lots of people smallpox. from other schools. Smallpox, that was smallpox. Yeah. Um, because in my school, they started doing the injections on the inside of the arm because kids used to go around punching each other's pustules and making <laughs> them oh, rupture. God. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Do you know, yeah. I'm, I'm the only person I know who's had, um, I've had the TB vaccine. Because I was involved in in medical for a while, so I, I literally, out of most people, I'm the only person I know who's actually had that, and that was the worst vaccination I've had in my life. Well, I've even I've had, had the the 
as bad. Immune immunology booster for um, HIV because I had a needle stab injury. So I've had all the hepatitis jobs, the HIV jobs, all that crap. Yeah. Oh, that really this. doesn't make you feel very well. That one. No, they don't. And it, what it is 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 that IgA, that IgA, the the immunoglobulin A. Yeah. That they give you in conjunction with that shit makes you uh-huh. feel so bad you wish you were dead. Oh yeah, I had to be. I was off work for two days. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. I don't recommend it. And because this show is all about rights, Jen, I have to ask you a question. I ha- I'm going to tell you something, then I'm going to ask you your opinion on it. Okay. Okay. Um, healthcare workers. Um, mm-hmm. I have a sister that's an RN. Right. And um, she goes to work every day and saves people's lives. Um, and by the way, people, if you ever get sick and you end up in the hospital, thank the nurse. Because it's the nurse that kept you alive, not the fucking doctor you saw three minutes a day. <laughs> but anyway, um, do you realize that, and, and I understand people's, people's right to privacy, okay? Right. I get this. But I think this part is wrong. If you go to the hospital to be treated and the people that are sitting there and, and fighting to keep you alive and to keep you well. If they get stuck with a needle that you have been stuck with, mm-hmm. they're not allowed to ask you if you're HIV positive. Nope. No, I, they're not. I, and that's... I think that's, that's wrong. I mean, I think it's wrong too. Um, and depending on the sort of place you work... <laughs> And how well you know people, you can get a tip off. But either way, you're required to take prophylactic um, drugs if you get a needle stick. Yeah, I mean, that's just the way it is. Hey, working in a veterinary yeah. clinic, if you're dealing with a horse or something, do you know what the TVEE vaccine is? If you get stuck and you're you're dealing with a horse, they make you go get the TVEE vaccine. And you do mm-hmm. not want that shit. What the hell is it? Um, it, it's a zoonosis. It's kind of like it, it, Ebola is a zoonosis. Okay, it, it's a virus that came to us from I'm pretty sure bats, but I can't prove it. And just because of the way their genome is, oh, and Jesus, the way they deal with viruses. You have to bring up bats. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just telling you where I think the natural reservoir for Ebola is. Um, TVE. <laughs> is a disease that like zebras and horses and mules get and it's, it's very bad it causes very bad um brain problems yeah if you get a needle stick and you're dealing with a horse they make you go get those vaccines if you've seen if the family know. guy episode where he buys a horse that's tv mm-hmm. which we've so. already um covered many times i don't watch cartoons <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of things that, there's a lot of ways you make a living um, that require you to get vaccines and stuff that are pretty terrible. Do I think it's right that you're not allowed to ask? No, but why would you expect a person to tell you the truth anyway? Well, when when I had my needle stab injury, I was sent for a clinic where they don't keep the records afterwards. There's a reason you for that. You get treated and then the, it gets binned. It's because of insurance companies. Yeah. Well, it's insurance also... insurance companies because, were discriminating. So. Well, it's yeah. because of HIPAA compliance also. Yeah. Um, 
Although I think we pretty much know those rules are pretty much out the window with uh, the GCHQ being able to take everything. What? HIPAA, HIPAA is no different than the TSA. I, I look at HIPAA and the TSA in the exact same light. It is a waste of time and money because if you think that these fucking people aren't talking about you, you are delusional. Oh, no. No, no, I mean, you're really not supposed to, but that doesn't mean that off hours you're not out getting a drink with someone saying, no, you can't believe this person did this or they have that because that happens quite a lot, uh, even in a, a pharmacy setting. So, I mean, you would be very surprised at um, just how much you get talked about by the medical community. Having or worked as a student animals. nurse, I know exactly how much people get talked about. Yeah. And most people don't know it at all, and they feel very safe from HIPAA. Oh, yeah, and also be very, very kind to nurses, not just because they take care of you, because if they get annoyed at you, nurses have really, really dark, evil senses of humour and will do things to you that you really don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. What the hell story were we on that I derailed this entire fucking show? Oh, uh, yeah, we were talking about the Ebola lady. Okay. Yeah. We were talking about Ebola, and then we were talking about vaccine, which is fine. I, I, I'm sorry. I was That's okay. I, I do I do actually have to talk about uh, the NSA. I'm sorry. Nobody likes <laughs> it when I talk about them, because we talk about them so much. Okay. So we know that the NSA can break encryptions. Um, we know that because of the arrest of the founder of Silk Road. Okay, all of that stuff was encrypted with what we think is very strong and very good encryption. And yet, for years, the NSA has been telling us that these prime numbers that we're using—I probably shouldn't say this—but uh, the prime numbers that we're using for encryption, you know what I'm talking about, Barry? Yeah, thirteen, seventeen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they get repeated so much, they have almost got quantum computing. So they can actually break this stuff. So what we think of as good, hard encryption is leaky as hell. Okay. What we think of as soft encryption, which doesn't use those methods that we don't think is very effective, is probably going to turn out to be the most effective form of encryption out there. When they can break through all the layers of Tor and route people out, problem. We really need to look at, at how encryption is done. And we think we're safe. Normal people think they're safe if they get on an HTTPS web page. Or they go to pay for something online. The little, little lock hops up. You think you're safe. I'm not really sure we can count on that anymore. You never could. No, you never could, but it, it gave you some sort of... It it stops random hacks. But yeah, if somebody's seriously after the information... Yeah. Directed yeah, attacks The little you. lock is not 256-bit high-depth encryption. It's just basic encryption, so yeah. Yeah. Okay, um... It's funny, and the other thing I wanted to mention is I think people think a VPN connection is the smartest thing they can do for themselves. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. It's not good. It's not even useful. You Write are your stuff leaky. through some extra servers. 
Yeah, you are as leaky with a virtual private network as you are normally. Okay, you you leak data everywhere. You leak all it off v- your phone. All you VPNs are good for is watching television from regions you're not supposed to. <laughs> That's about all VPNs good for. Yeah. Oh, and Wi-Fi and coffee shops and stuff like that. But other than that, yeah, it's pointless. Um, they can crack anything. What we're finding out now, okay, it's nothing for them to break a 1024-bit prime. It yeah. is nothing for them. And it's because they're pouring all this money into it. This is why I said I think the only way we're going to be able to stop the government spying on us is to make this sort of stuff as cost prohibitive as possible for them. Which means it needs to be as cheap as possible for us to take care of ourselves. That's not really happening. But if you think you're secure, you're not really secure. And some of the things you count on to protect yourselves are not really protecting your information out there. So just be wary with what you do. Just always be wary. Always keep an eye open. There's a reason I say that. And I need to find it because this appeared in the New York Times. I just need to find it and I'm sorry. Okay. Hackers prove they can PWN the lives of those not hyper-connected. Okay. So if you think you're safe because you've got no tech, you're wrong. It took the hackers less than two hours to take over Patty Walsh's life. On a recent Friday, Mrs. Walsh, a grandmother of six, volunteered to allow two hackers to take a crack at hacking her home. How bad could it be? Mrs. Walsh did not consider herself a digital person. As far as she knew, her home was not equipped with any smart devices, physical objects like refrigerators and thermometers that transmit information to the Internet. Sure, she has a Facebook account, which she uses to keep up on friends' lives, but rarely does she post about her own. I don't post things about myself, and this is true of me too, and don't really understand why other people do, Mrs. Walsh said. The fact that you can go from one friend's profile to another friend's profile is creepy. I guess you could find out a lot of information about somebody if you really wanted to. Indeed. Days before hackers even set foot inside Mrs. Walsh's home overlooking Mount Tampala in Martin County, California, they found her Facebook account and, through it, though it was comparatively locked down, uncovered just enough to begin to take over her digital life. The New York Times was invited to witness the hacking on the condition that Mrs. Walsh's town not be named. The twist was that once the hackers found their way in, they discovered someone else had already been there. The hackers could see that Mrs. Walsh had liked a page by an organization called Change.org. That was all they needed to construct some convincing clickbait. Within 10 minutes, they composed a fake email from Change.org asking her to sign a fake petition about land use in Martin County. When that link led her to a page that asked her to enter her email address and password, she complied. To spare Mrs. Walsh any actual harm, the hackers used a service called Fish5, which does not actually store passwords and is often used by employees to test employers' ability to spot malicious phishing cons. Had the two been actual attackers, they would have had all the information they needed upon Mrs. Walsh. Hackers speak for taking over someone's digital life from afar, particularly because Mrs. Walsh confessed she was guilty of using the same password among, <laughs> across many accounts. 
all of this before they had even set foot in her home. It took the hackers two hour, less than two hours, I'm sorry, to take over Patsy Walsh's life. On a recent Friday, Mrs. Walsh, a grandmother of six, volunteered to allow them to... Okay. Why did this repeat again? Um, okay. The hackers, Reed Loden, the 27-year-old director of HackerOne, a San Francisco security startup, and Michael Prince, a 25-year-old co-founder a co of HackerOne, were warmly greeted when they arrived at her home. Welcome Hackers was scrawled on a heart-shaped chalkboard on the front door, and deviled eggs, tuna sandwiches, and fresh iced tea were waiting. Mrs. Walsh said she expected the Hackers would wear black, but Mr. Loden and Mr. Prince did not fit that stereotype. Mr. Loden, who hails from Mississippi and ended his sentences with a warm thank you, ma'am, his manners even intact while explaining that he had just hacked Mrs. Walsh's power of attorney form. They're very polite, Mrs. Walsh noted. Later, she invited both to Thanksgiving dinner. Over an hour and a half, they discovered a way to open the Walsh's garage door. It was simply a matter of using a brute force attack against an older door opener. The process entailed testing thousands of code combinations until hitting the correct one. Earlier this year, the hacker Sammy Kamar uh, demonstrated how to do this in less than 10 seconds using a Mattel toy. Mr. Loden and Mr. Prince also found a way to intercept Mrs. Walsh's television. The service worker had not installed her direct TV securely with a password, which meant anyone with knowledge of the device's IP address could control the television remotely. In this case, the hackers used their access to purchase the three-hour pass to an array of adult channels, the names of which would not be suitable for print here. Still, Mrs. Walsh was not impressed. What's so wrong about getting into my TV? When Mr. Loden pointed out that someone could blast pornography in her living room in the middle of a dinner party, Mrs. Walsh conceded, I guess that could be a little shocking to guests. From there, the hackers made their way to the back of Mrs. Walsh's house, where her PC was waiting. Without her passwords posted on the nearby router, that <laughs> she had her passwords posted on her router. Really? Uh, the task was easy. Within minutes, they had not only broken into Mrs. Walsh's email account, but also that of her daughter, who at some point allowed the computer browser to autofill her password. Never fucking do that. As a courtesy, the hackers made sure to send Mrs. Walsh's daughter an email from her own account with the subject line, Reminder, change my password. They searched Mrs. Walsh's email for the term SSN and within seconds had access to her social security number, her PayPal account, her Air Miles account, and her insurance information. They'd even gotten their hands on her power of attorney form. What's worse, they weren't the only ones with access to all of the above. Mr. Loden and Mr. Prinz ran a scan for malicious programs running on Mrs. Walsh's machine and found roughly 20, including InstallBrain, an attacker that can download malicious programs on demand, like one that helps hackers mine for Bitcoin, and others like Default Tab, Fun Web Products, Search Project, Slim Cleaner, and Supreme Savings that can change a victim's homepage, spy on search and browsing histories, or place ads on websites like Facebook and Google with intrusive programs. After they were through pawning Mrs. Walsh, the two hackers sat down with their victim for a debriefing. Critical points were that Mrs. Walsh needed a new garage door opener, a password for her television, and a password manager to help her set unique and far more complicated passwords for each of her accounts. The hackers advised her to turn on two-step authentication, a service that sends a second one-time password to users' phones when they try to log in from an unrecognized machine. They also gave her a quick lesson in phishing attacks, and a lesson on the importance of installing software updates. 
best to switch on automatic updates, they said, for core services like Apple's iOS operating system, Google's Chrome browser, and Windows. And they said her PC needed to be completely wiped. The good news was that they promised to return to do this for her, possibly when they return for Thanksgiving dinner. So that was when nice people come to your house to show you how vulnerable you are. Yeah. Most of us will never have that experience. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, unless somebody's decided you're a target, they're not going to go to those extremes normally. But yeah, I mean, it's it's the little things, like you say. I mean, uh, I'm bad for the saving the passwords in the browser. But then I also wipe and reinstall Windows on my computer every six months. Well, I mean, and that's, like, one of the smartest things you can do, because that gets rid of all of the junk. Mm-hmm. And we all collect junk. It doesn't matter how vigilant you are with your anti-spyware stuff. Yes. They've actually done some... There's been some work done recently that is making it look more and more like some of this antivirus stuff is not exactly helping people. No. Which can't really be a shock. Um... Every couple of months, you should be looking up the test results done on antivirus software because different ones work better at different times. Um, At the minute, I'm on Windows 10 now, so I haven't used the Microsoft one. But as soon as (laughs) Bitdefender... As soon as Bitdefender uh, updates properly to Windows 10, I shall be going to Bitdefender, which is number one in testing so far. Nice. Um, and quite often the paid-for antivirus are actually worse than the free ones. And people don't realise that. Well, I mean, it's very true. It, it is exactly. Oh, and in this case, the Microsoft product is actually fairly good. Well, Weirdly. Yeah, but I don't know. I I just find, I don't know, I find dealing with Microsoft just, I don't know. Yeah, it's making me want to learn Linux. Bill Gates is an asshole. You're not safe there either. If anybody bitches at me and tells me Bill Gates doesn't own Microsoft anymore, I know this. I know this, but Bill Gates is an asshole. He is the asshole that started all this shit. So, you mentioned Microsoft, and I have to say, Bill Gates is an asshole. The pirate not, of Silicon Valley. Yeah, I'm not really a big fan of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and what they're doing with their money. Um, they're buying the laws they want. Well, I'm not even talking about that. If you want to talk about charitable contributions to the world's poor, every contribution they make is putting money back into their corporations. So it's not. I don't know that what they're doing is actually helping. Aren't they Bloomberg buddies? They are. Oh, yes, ma'am. Buddies. Yeah, they're all part of the same little club of crazy millionaires. (laughs) I've got too much money and no common sense. I'm going to go join the World Health Organization and tell them how to take care of people, even though it's going to be stuff nobody really needs. Yeah, because I write computer code, and I know what's good for people. (laughs) Well, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really nice they're working on the malaria vaccine. But as you say, less nice is all the patents and any money earned from any cure will be going to the foundation. Of course. Yeah. You know, I, don't get me wrong. I, I don't. I understand that nobody does anything for free, but 
when you've got trillions of dollars to throw around, I don't think letting a couple million, you know, do something good is is really harmful. But they're yeah, philanthropic. Well, also, also, it comes down <laughs> to all when this it's, philanthropic work. It's it's because they care. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the the real issue is what happens when he eventually dies, and what his will says about what happens to all this shit. Yeah. So, does anybody remember last year when we talked about the fucking X-ray vans in New York? Yes. <laughs> they're back. I know. They never left. I know, but they're back in a bigger way, and the only reason we know that they're back in a bigger way is because the ACLU sued the NYPD again. Well, at least it's not because lots of people suddenly have their hair falling out. Well, yeah, let me put it this way. (laughs) Yeah. The New York Civil Liberties Union is filing a motion for leave to file an amicus brief today, urging the appellate division, First Department, to upload a lower court's decision requiring the NYPD to release information on its use of Z backscatter vans, otherwise known as X-ray vans. People should be informed if military-grade X-ray vans are damaging their health with radiation or peering inside their homes or cars. NYCLU Executive Director Donna Lieberman said, New Yorkers have a right to protect their health, welfare, and privacy. The military-grade surveillance equipment, which utilizes X-ray radiation to image the insides of cars and buildings, is used to search for roadside bombs in Afghanistan. And because New York is exactly like Afghanistan, the NYPD has largely refused to disclose anything about how it uses X-ray vans on the streets of New York City. The department has denied a Freedom of Information law request by an investigative journalist at ProPublica asking for records revealing the van's public health risks, the NYPD's prior use of the vans, whether the department gets a warrant before it uses them, or how long the NYPD holds onto the images the vans capture. The NYPD also won't say how much the X-ray vans in total are costing taxpayers, though reportedly the NYPD is shelling out between $729,000 and $825,000 for each unit. The X-ray vans are one in a number of surveillance technologies, including stingrays, everyone's favorite, imported from the battlefield to New York City's neighborhoods. These technologies make mass surveillance significantly easier for the police while the public remains in the dark about how they are used. In ordering the NYPD to produce records related to X-ray vans in Gabriel v. New York Police Department, the trial court found that the NYPD did not show how disclosing information about these X-ray vans may compromise investigation. The NYPD's refusal to disclose information is further undercut by the fact that other agencies, including the Department of Homeland Security, have already revealed the same types of information about similar technology. Fair policing requires the NYPD to be willing to tell New Yorkers when it is using technologies that significantly intrude upon their privacy. The NYPD is out of step with the growing recognition that the public awareness of how law enforcement conducts surveillance is important for democracy. I don't know about that, but, you know, so still nice to note they're driving around x-raying your bottom fucking Bottom line, if you're going to visit New York, get one of those foil survival suits. You know, I know, get yourself exposure. a nice lead, lead suit. That's no, no, you just need one of those foil, <laughs> you know, suits that, you know, runners put on after they've been running to keep God. warm. 
Just one of those. You you get them with the nice hoods and everything, you know. God. And just when you go to New York, everyone walking around with one of those. That that <laughs> that that'd piss the police off. We, we well, would. It would also anybody. mess up their yeah. surveillance plans with their cameras. Yeah. So you also mean if it was summer, you'd sweat to death. But you know, other than that, <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite one, and this is the one I want to end it on tonight. UK politicians to hold emergency debate after spy tribunal says GCHQ is permitted to put them under surveillance. Now we see what moves legislators to take swift action against domestic surveillance. It all depends on who's being targeted. A long-held gentleman's agreement that GCHQ would not spy on members of parliament with an exigent circumstances exception naturally was found to not be legally binding by the UK's Surveillance Oversight Tribunal. Today, a panel headed by Mr. Justice Burton made declarations that the Wilson Doctrine applies only to targeted and not incidental interception of parliamentary communications, but that it has no legal effect, save that in practice the security and intelligence agencies must comply with their own guidance. The Wilson Doctrine, implemented by Prime Minister Harold Wilson, in November 1966, lay down the policy of no tapping of the phones of MPs or any members of the House of Lords unless there is a major national emergency and that any changes to the policy will be reported by the Prime Minister to the Parliament. Once Parliament members discovered that they too could be subject to GCHQ's blanket surveillance, they moved quickly. MPs are to hold an emergency debate on the Wilson Doctrine amid fears that the conversation, the convention, Designed to prevent politicians' communications from being spied upon is dead. Shadow Commons leader Chris Bryant led a successful application in the Commons for an emergency debate in response to Wednesday's judgment. The debate has been allocated to up to three hours on Monday, October 19th. Oh, I wish I could have seen that. When it's just the general public and foreign citizens of dozens of nations, politicians generally agree there's a debate to be had over dragnet surveillance. The debate then takes place with minimal input from those affected and tends to include large amounts of terrorist fear-mongering and quibbling over how much exactly national security agencies should be allowed to get away with, as much as possible usually, especially when the fear-mongering side has the floor. When it's up to those up top discovering they too might be subject to the same surveillance they've inflicted on the rest of the nation and foreigners who have been granted no rights whatsoever, they step all over themselves in their haste to debate the side of the issue that states they should continue to be exempted from the laws that apply to everyone else. One MP even portrayed the special parliament members only surveillance exceptions to be essential for the continued representation of the public that was never included in the government's gentleman's agreement with its top spy agency. Mr. Bryant said the judgment had resulted in an ambiguity which needed to be cleared up urgently, adding that it had also cast doubt on the prosecution supposedly afforded by the conventions, Earlier, the Labour frontbencher told the Commons, the right of members of this House to be able to represent their constituents without fear or favour is intrinsic to our democracy. Right now, though, most of these legislators are only representing themselves. If their constituents can be subjected to both targeted and incidental collections, so should they. If they want the ability to advocate on behalf of the public without fear of someone reading their emails over their shoulder, the first thing they should do is expand this protection to the constituents who are not currently under investigation or suspected of terrorist activity. 
because as of right now, the only message this emergency debate sends is that the public's representatives wish to continue cloaking themselves in privilege and hypocrisy. <laughs> oh, I've put the link in for the uh, UK parliamentary site. Hopefully you can I still gotta, it. I gotta say. Yeah. I mean, that's that's classic, though. Yeah. Oh my you, god, you know, they're gonna spy on us. Ah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Holy crap, they're gonna spy... Remember, does anybody remember Nancy Pelosi and uh-huh. the... Yeah. Everything was fine until she opened up her window and there was a drone! She was losing her shit. You know, She's lucky what? it didn't break her window. <laughs> well, yeah, once it saw her. <laughs> I just... I'm <laughs> sorry. I just don't understand one rule for me and one rule for thee. These people are not above us. We pay them. They work for us. When are we going to remember that? But yeah, you can... Uh, that, that link I've dropped in it also links to the Parliament TV so you can watch it. Uh, oh, that's that's good. I, I know yeah. what I'm doing with my next three. Oh. It, you'll, well, you can have to troll through it because it's just a recording of the whole day, okay. basically. Oh, uh, there is actually I a s- list of what was said when. Cause oh, it's all, that's good too. They have stenographers writing it all nice. down as well. So yeah, That's good. But, they uh, need to have them. But yeah, <laughs> just about everything's televised in the UK now. Apart it's from certain committee meetings, obviously. Um, or you, you don't courts. tend to put your security meetings on TV. Online. Well, they don't put your secret courts on on TV either. No. And you've got them just like we've got them. I mean, oh, we've I, had I, them. my favorite we've thing had them is since Oliver Cromwell. Your your special courts that decide whether people who have below average mental capacities should be sterilized. That's yeah. one of my favorite courts you guys have, actually. I'm, I'm. When I say this, that it's one of my favorites. I mean, that is sarcasm. I find it sickening yeah. that we even have such discussions. But there it is. And if I'm saying it, it's not a lie or an exaggeration, isn't. Well, there's the. <laughs> We've come a long way in the UK. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but today there's a big campaign started in Ireland. About the abortion laws. Because, right, I mean, last year there was an Asian woman who was pregnant Mm -hmm. and she was miscarrying and they still refused to give her an abortion because it was a Catholic country. She ended up getting sepsis and died because the pregnancy had gone wrong. Right. And that's still law in Ireland, you know. You know, even, uh, you know... I mean, um, Graham, Graham Linehan and his wife are mm-hmm. some of the notables doing the campaign. And luckily they were living in the UK, but they the first time they got pregnant, they were told the baby's going to be stillborn. So they got an abortion. If they'd been living in his native Ireland, she wouldn't have been able to. They would have made her carry a stillborn baby to term. Yeah. You know, it's... I don't care about that 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 is between if you have a god yeah that I is mean, between you and your god that that should have nothing to do with laws or morality yep. when you look at a lot of the laws that we live under as a society and let's just start with vaping all of those laws that they're making against us vaping in public parks vaping in public places have nothing to do with health and everything to do with moral choices that people make. Yeah. 
morality. Well, I, I noticed certain aspects no place on, in this. Certain aspects on Facebook, and, and you'll know who they are, uh, have been going on about states that have been banning Sharia law in the US. Which is a joke, really, because Sharia law isn't a law as such. Um, and if you talk to many Muslims, they'll tell you so. <laughs> you know, it's only the crazy Wahhabists who actually want it to be law-law. Um, but at the same time, these, these same states aren't banning anything to do with any other religions having any effect on like, on laws. And let's face it, laws are predominantly in the Western world based on Christian doctrine. A lot of laws are based on religion and they have nothing yeah. to do with religion. They have nothing yep. to do with morality. If a law is to be made, it should have everything to do with if we're going to go this way, I don't want to go this way. I want to go completely the opposite way. I think most, once you remove the warning labels and let you know, God sort it all out, if you believe in God, I'm a Buddhist, so take whatever you want from that. Um, once God or whoever, whatever, sorts everything out, after that, you'll have the kind of society where you have people who can make grown-up adult decisions. And at that point, I think you can back away from some of this horseshit that we see happening legislatively. In fact, I think yeah. as a society, we could do damn well without these people. If you have a small business in this country, you know that the government doesn't exist to help it along. It exists to take 40% of your earnings and make things harder on you. There's a problem with allowing bodies you have no oversight over to make laws about how you're going to live your life. We're not angry enough about it yet, but someday we will be. Getting and someday pretty angry over we'll be here. smart enough to do something about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Advert. <laughs> Advert. Why spend hours searching for in-stock ammunition when you can use AmmoSeek.com? AmmoSeek.com is a search engine for finding ammunition, reloading components, magazines, and guns for more than 300 calibers at more than 60 online retailers. AmmoSeek.com only shows items that are in stock and readily available for shipping. You can search by caliber, grains, manufacturer, and more. The results are displayed by cost per round, so you are able to get the very best pricing on your ammunition of choice. Find ammunition at the best prices, fast. Um, thanks for listening, guys. I know the show went a little off the rails this week, but uh, we'll see you next week and we'll do it again. Good night.